Hi, this is Felix. Welcome to the Afro Nomad Show. This is episode one of our first season. We will begin with my personal story, quite a long one, but we'll take in small bits. We'll get to know each other really well, and in the coming weeks, we will hear from some of the people I admire and I've had the privilege to know over the years. I'm really looking forward to the conversations and stories. You can find us on Instagram at the Afro Nomad Show, or you can email us at gondredabbeast at gmail.com. Again, that is G-O-N-D-W-E dot B-I-Z at gmail.com. Please let me know any questions, comments, or suggestions. This is our space to learn and share our stories. So don't be shy. My story starts from my suitcase, carry-on bag. Parking was not a big deal for me after attending boarding school for four years. I went to a Catholic uh, secondary school called Likuni Boys. It's an equivalent of what you call it high school in the States, only that it was only boys. Uh, the school was, uh, um, was about a 30-minute drive from my house, and it's located on the west side of Lilongwe City, which is the capital of Malawi. So each trimester, I would take two bags, one with stationary linen clothes and another bag with food and groceries. My mom used to make me um, grilled chicken. I enjoyed that the first days of school. And uh, on the third day, you start adjusting to the school's dining menu, which was uh, a little interesting. We were allowed to get off campus the last Saturday of every month. Um, so for me being closer to home, I would just hop on a bus and get there. And for those that had their homes further out, they would have their families visit them. We, we were expected to get back to campus, maybe around 5 PM ish. And if you're late, you get punished. It's, uh, that's how they did it. So, uh, parking for college was, uh, was pretty easy. Um, cause I only had clothes to last me five days. So I closed that carry-on bag with so much ease. Um, part of the reason why I did that was I had attended a pre-departure orientation at the American Embassy. And uh, what they did was to advise you based on where you're going. I went to a liberal arts school called St. Lawrence University, which is upstate New York in a small town called Canton. Um, so Canton, uh, Canton, I think is... Um, I think it's about 20 minutes away from the Canadian border, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it's it's really cold up there. So I don't think I could have found anything to prep me for that type of winter. Um, you know, they say you can read books, like watch videos on swimming or on how to swim. <laughs> but until you're thrown into the water, uh, that's the only time you find out uh, of where your skill set is or, or whether you could survive that. Anyways, um, I was underprepared for that for that winter, but my mindset was uh, to get all these things once I got to New York. And I had made an arrangement with the school to uh, provide beddings for me. And then afterwards, once I get there, I'll get everything else I needed. Um, so so all this was to make it easier for me to, to travel. So a couple of days leading to my departure, I connected with my roommate from Rochester area in New York. 
we were chatting on Facebook and he asked me what I was bringing to our uh, shared room. I left him on red. Honestly, I wasn't sure how to respond to that, but I did message him a couple of days later with a question. I was like, what are you bringing? Um, <laughs> he told me he was bringing a fridge, TV, and many other things. Um, and I think that's where my learning started. I didn't realize that people brought that many things to their college rooms. Um, I mean, I had a rough idea of what the college room looked like. Um, I had gone to visit my brother a couple of times in Zuzu, which is a city uh, north of Malawi. So uh, he shared a room with one other person. It was pretty basic. They had maybe posters, they had a desk, a bed. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was very simple. So that was what my model of a college room looked like. So um, I, was, I was a little overwhelmed as to what my roommate was bringing. But uh, I told him that customs uh, would make my life difficult if I tried to export anything from Malawi. Frankly, I couldn't afford anything at all. So um, I told him I was bringing myself and my smiles. Well, I didn't tell him about the smiles part, uh, but that's what I actually brought with me and my small carry-on bag. So that morning, I woke up around uh, 6 a.m. It's normally a little chilly in the morning in Lilongwe. Um, so temperature-wise, uh, like during like the cold season, it, it really doesn't get below 50, but people don't have heaters in their uh, houses. Well, at least in my house. Uh, we didn't have uh, a heating system, and I would I, I would I would say like it's 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 common at least in in an area like that. And um, normally now people buy ACs, but also that means uh, you're in a certain uh, income bracket. Anyways, we the norm, that's a normal sort of uh, situation. People don't uh, really have uh, ACs around. So when uh, when um, when court season is up, uh, you sort of just bundle up. Uh, but it doesn't get below 50, at least where uh, where my home is. There are other parts of the country that uh, gets a little chilly, uh, more than that. Um, so with 50, if you convert it to degrees Celsius, that would be around 10 degrees Celsius. And that's the other thing. I had to learn to convert all these things. So things like pants. Well, as pants, uh, it basically means a pair of underwear. So uh, each time... Uh, you saw someone saying a pair of pants. It's like, you know, you have to uh, translate that in your head and know that they are talking about a pair of trousers. Uh, that's that's how we understand it. And then for things like uh, cookies, we call them biscuits. But some of this they taught us at the orientation. So it wasn't as strange when I started hearing uh, about it. Anyways, um, so my parents were up so early that day. Uh, they had already showered. They were in their best Sunday clothes. You know, that church swag, everything ironed, no wrinkles, straight up perfection, man. Only thing I regret for, from that time is not learning the art of ironing clothes for my dad. Um, I can't remember exactly what we had for breakfast that morning, but I just remember it was a really heavy breakfast. Um... And my mom, she she prepared all this. She knew there was going to be food on the flight, but, you know, who cares? Um, this might be too much information, but I feared for our mom. 
number two on the strange mode of transportation. So I was a little conservative on the food intake. Um, and that did not sit well with my mom. You know, mom's like, you know, she wanted me to be well fed ahead of the 19 hour trip. I remember she kept saying, um, and oh, you, you're, um, you're really going away. Uh, something she said over and over. And I think just thinking of, uh, of that particular, uh, memory is, is making me a little emotional now, but, um, but yeah, she was just in disbelief that that was going to happen. And to me, honestly, I also didn't know what that meant. So, um, so we got ready, uh, we ate the whole entourage got ready as well. And by that, I mean, my siblings, nephews, nieces, cousins, um, I'm the last born of a family of seven. So I have six siblings, three brothers and three sisters. Uh, so in total, all of us, it's it's nine of us. So yeah, we, we can put up a good uh, <laughs> basketball team. Um, I had my shoulder bag with all the documents I needed and some documents I didn't need. I remember I printed my uh, SATs course in a brief history of the school's president dating back five decades. Um, just in case someone was to test my knowledge at the entry point. Someone had told me that um, they give you a quick interview right when in, right when uh, you're about to, to enter the U.S. So I wanted to be ready um, and to show them that I didn't come to mess around. So, <laughs> and so yeah, anyhow, um, the way Kamuzu International Airport is set up, you have the departure section uh, only allowing passengers. The arrivals, you, you people get in there, wait for their loved ones to show up or guess whatever the case may be. Um, so I had to say my goodbyes outside the departure section. And uh, for the first time in a really long time, um, I saw my mom crying. And uh, she's one of the strongest people I know. Um, I mean, she gave birth to seven of us, so. I have uh, three brothers and three sisters. I'm the last one. Um, so my siblings told me a story uh, that when she gave birth to my brother, Grant, who's the fifth born in the family, they say she casually went for a checkup. And at the end of the day, she came back home um, with a baby in her hands. I, I really don't know how she did that. Um, I've been planning to talk to her about that, but... You just don't talk to these things <laughs> with your mom. That that is how it's set up. Um, I can't I can't tell you why because I don't know. But uh, you just accept things and and move on. Um, so seeing her in that state really hit me hard, um, and I was feeling a lot of things in that moment that I felt to express emotionally. Um, I still feel the hug she gave me that day. It was like yesterday, man. Um, my dad, on the other hand, <laughs> he was going through all different sort of emotions. But I think he did uh, give us a good balance because he was all chirpy and smiling. Um, as I left, my sister told me to call her once I got on the flight. I was like, sure. So my sister traveled to Kenya, South Africa for work. So she knew how flying could be overwhelming for first timers like me. So she wanted to make sure that um, I was on the flight, first of all, um, as they had no visibility. 
which is strange because uh, Camus International Airport is a little cozy. I mean, it works for us. Um, <laughs> we get reasonable traffic, uh, not too much. So, you know, you say your goodbyes outside uh, the airport. Um, yeah, so the previous year, uh, she bought me a Samsung T-Series. I can't remember the exact model, but I know it was. Uh, it had, a, I think, maybe a one megapixel camera. Uh, it's one of those that you can you you can take a picture on, but uh, in this day and age, you can't post that on IG. That's for that's for sure. <laughs> but it got the job done. You know, you can make calls, you can text, and uh, you can send MMS. I know, like it's 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 uh, making it a big deal. But now it's just expected that MMS works. But I remember back then, um, telecommunications companies would would make it a point to tell you that this phone can send MMS. You know. My sister got me the phone as a gift after I passed national exams. These exams decided everything, whether you were going to go to college or not, uh, which is different from the way things work in the U.S., I would assume also different from other places. But uh, this was our process in Malawi. So I walked up to the, to the desk to check in. Um, this was Ethiopia Airline. Um, I print, they, they printed my tickets, um, did the whole thing they do with the passports. And then I checked in my carry-on bag. At this point, um, I didn't know the language around those things. Like, oh, this is a, this is a checked-in bag. This is a carry-on bag. Um, so I checked in my carry-on bag. I would have taken it with me since I didn't have much stuff in it. Um, but anyways, I, they helped me just to have a few things with me just in case I needed maybe to run in case uh, maybe I'm connecting to a flight and there's really small time in between. Anyways, I walked to the boarding area and everybody seemed comfortable in there. We got on the bus, we got on the, on the, on the flight. Um, I sat down, I had a window seat. Um, but, you know, I couldn't call my sister <laughs> since I didn't have the phone with me. So I asked this guy I was sitting next to if I could um, use his phone to make a call to my family. He was so generous. Uh, he was going on a trip to Addis Ababa with his son, about my age then. I was 19. The man that lent me his phone was late Fraser Likonde, a very successful businessman in Malawi. He was so kind to me. Um, I unplugged his SIM card, jammed it in mine, I didn't know why I took the SIM card. I mean, it uh, it was useful at that point, but I didn't know where I was going with it. Uh, those days, roaming was not a thing. I called my sister now, and I showed that that uh, all was well, and it was. Uh, we took off. I was surprisingly calm through that process. I thought I would freak out, you know, because uh, my sister told me that some people uh, find that uh, takeoff process uncomfortable um but you know it's, it's it's my first time i really don't know how to feel so i think it just goes uh, person to person and maybe also i was overcome by my excitement for that process so i didn't quite register uh that type of fear i i i, I didn't know how to navigate the uh the entertainment system on the plane uh or pick food for the menu um so mr Likonde showed me um how to do all that I remember one particular moment um, that come in, whether we wanted tea or coffee, 
And I wasn't sure if it was an option or you get both. And so I was just looking at the attendant because I, di I didn't know how to respond to that. <laughs> and then uh, since Mr. Ligondi knew that it was my first time and we don't drink that much coffee in Malawi. So he had assumed that I would, um, I would want tea. So he was like, oh, he, he's going to get tea. So they got me tea. So yeah, he really looked out for me. Um, and we really had a good uh, conversation um, throughout the plane. So we had a stop in uh, in Congo. Um, th that was a stop. We we're picking up a few people and then uh, routing to Addis uh, Ababa. So we didn't get out of the plane. I was hoping that we didn't because I didn't want to go through the whole process of like going to to a desk. It was a little overwhelming for me. So I just wanted to sit and go all the way. But uh, we had to stop in Congo. Um, and then uh, we, we, we stopped there for about an hour or so. And then we... Um, left for uh this Ababa. so as i was talking to him he told me how traveling was um, an amazing learning experience and each time he had traveled he took one of his kids uh with him i think it was a lesson that uh, didn't make any sense at that time but over time i think i've grown to appreciate that we parted ways in Addis. The Sababa is um, it's a huge airport, and I remember feeling overwhelmed at the times because it was my first time seeing an airport 10 times bigger than my home airport. And one thing about Kamu's International Airport, I remember when I was young, uh, my parents would take me, my brother William, who's the sixth born in the family, because we are, I think, the youngest um in the family, there's quite a gap between the uh, older siblings. So they would take two of us. We'll go to the airport. Um, and there's a section at the airport. And this was not because we were <laughs> we had a guest visit that we were picking up or anything. No, we went there to see planes. That's it. So there's a section that they made specifically for that. Um, so you buy a ticket. You just sit. And then you watch planes landing and you watch planes leaving. So, <laughs> um, um, that, so that was one of the fun activities we did uh, growing up. And, you know, I, I had always imagined. I think it sort of inspired. I remember there was a point I was like, oh, yeah, I want to be a pilot. And that was part of part of it, like just seeing all these things. And they say sometimes uh, we dream about things, um, things that we've seen, things maybe we haven't seen, but in most cases, um, we model our thoughts around the things that um, we see being tangible. So I think that process, in, in as much as I, right now I laugh about it, um, it did uh, at, at that point get you excited about uh, travel. And that was like a distance thing. You would just imagine, oh, if I was a pilot, I would do this, I'd do that. So anyways, that's a side story. So before I left Malawi, Martin Kanjadza, whom I call Sibweni, uh, meaning uncle in my mother tongue, told me to ask for help and read signs. And I think at that process, uh, Mr. Likonde um, had done most of that job. Um, but still, I was still asking around. I wasn't going to miss my uh, <laughs> connecting flight. So I did everything in my power to make that possible. And, um, and I did make, make the flight uh, three hours early. Um, which is still a record because I think uh, my threshold has dropped down to two hours. 
Um, and I remember I was really surprised by how huge the plane was. I couldn't get over for that fact that uh, you could just have that many seats on a plane. It was a 787 Boeing Dreamliner. Uh, we went through Rome and then Dallas Airport in, in D.C., uh, where I would connect to Syracuse Airport. Uh, but I remember when uh, we were going to, when we landed in Rome, it, it was the same situation as um, the Congo situation where you stop for maybe an hour or two, uh, you pick up a few passengers, uh, they put in more gas on the plane, and then uh, you continue to your destination. So on this particular plane, on the 787, I sat next to... Um, a primary school teacher named Ben Joseph. He was going back to his home in Philadelphia. Um, I talked to Ben majority of the time. Uh, he had three, four books with him. He was uh, he was uh, he told me at the time uh, um, he was trying to finish uh, eight books uh, within a month, which I thought was impressive. Uh, so he had taken vacation, I think, to Uganda or something, and then uh, he was um, he flew from Uganda into Ethiopia. And then we were on the same flight coming to the U.S. I recently reached out to Ben Joseph because um, we really bonded on that flight. And I remember he uh, he was so amazed that I had I'd left a perfectly warm country, Malawi, for upstate New York, um, where winters were really unforgiving. Um, so, yeah, and I reached out to him recently because um, we... we when I, I remember when I landed uh, uh, in D.C., um, I had no idea whether, you know, uh, they say, oh, yeah, I'll go to baggage claim since it's the entry point. So you recheck in your bag. Um, initially, I thought it was just going I was just going to find it in Syracuse, which was my final destination. Um, so he told me, he's like, yeah, you need to check it in again. Uh, since he's, this is your first entry point into the U.S. And I, I, I didn't quite understand it. But anyways, we walked to the um, we walked to the baggage claim section. And because it's just so many bags, right? It's, it's a huge airport. Um, you're just seeing so many people walking. I just felt overwhelmed. And I didn't know where my bag was. Um, it was right in my face because, you know, sometimes when the conveyor belt gets filled up, they take some of the bags of the belt and uh, they had put my bag uh, aside. And, you know, Ben was trying to find his bags as well. And then he just saw me there. I was just standing because I was just so confused. Like, whom do I talk to to find out where my bag is? Um, so he, he came to me. He was like, are you OK? I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I just can't find uh, my bag. Um, he's like, what does it look like? So it was a blue bag. I had put my name tag on it. Um, so it wasn't unique per se, but I think I gave him a good description for him to find it. It didn't take him more than a minute. He found it. It was like, oh, here it is. Um, I was like, Ooh. yeah. I mean, I, that, that, those were the only clothes I had. And at that point, I'd spent 19 hours um, flying. So, so Ben found my bag. Um, and then I gave me his email. That's the email I was talking about that I had uh, recently reached out to him. I haven't heard back yet, <laughs> but I would want to reconnect with him because I think we lost touch um, after that time. Um, yeah, he gave me his email, gave me his number. 
and he told me I could email him and he was going to come to see me uh, once the school was uh, in session. I think he said he was going to come see me around Thanksgiving. And I just said yes. I, I, I didn't know what Thanksgiving was. Um, so at that point, he just said yes to everything. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I took my uh, carry-on bag. Uh, I went to, um, uh, you know, to check it in again. And I mean, I was looking for a desk and someone else to do the whole process for me the way we did it in uh, in Malawi. And things were automated at uh, Dallas International Airport. Everybody's busy walking that way in so many ways. And, you know, you just get confused. So at first, uh, and, and they do have signs to say, uh, especially if you have a connecting flight, you don't, unless you're trying to exit the airport, that's a whole different situation. But they have signs like once um, you pick up your bag, you just put it on another conveyor belt to to get to your final destination. Um, so, but in my head, I thought I needed to talk to someone else to do that process because I just wanted to make sure my bag was going <laughs> in uh, to the right place. The trust issues here because I'm not just going to put my bag on a conveyor belt. Uh, I don't know where that belt is going. So, um, I remember I talked to this lady. I was like, "Ah, oh, where do I um, where do I check in my bag?" Uh, for uh, for a connecting flight. And then she just pointed to me at the conveyor belt. Still didn't make sense. Uh, I was like, no, like I, I I need a desk. It's like, no, you don't need one since you're just connecting. And still that didn't register. So I just started walking around. I was like, maybe I'll find another person. So this other guy saw me because uh, I was just standing there. He's like, oh, do you need any help? He's like, okay, I'm going to Syracuse. Uh, I need to recheck my bag. He's like, no, you just put it on the conveyor belt. I was like, what? Yeah, you just put it on the conveyor belt. I'm, I'm, I'm like, what do you mean? I put it on the conveyor belt. He's like, you see that machine over there? You just place it there. I was like, yeah, it, and it's gonna get to <laughs> where I'm going. I just wanted to be sure, so I had to ask twice. Um, so he's like, okay, come with me. I think he registered with them, so that I was doing this thing for the first time. So he was really kind. Um, he took me and then he actually was, uh, uh, he took the bag with me. So, okay, come with me. And then uh, he's like, you see this, I put it here. And then once you get to Syracuse, you're going to find it there. I was like, oh, okay, okay. I thanked him. And then um, he pointed me to the right direction to for my connecting flight. So the next flight was a little smaller. It wasn't, well, it wasn't like the 787. It was more like the one I took from Malawi to Addis Ababa. I can't remember exact what type of plane it was. But it wasn't a 787 for sure. Um, yeah, it took me about maybe an hour or two to get to Syracuse. Um, then I landed in Syracuse. So one thing at the entry point right before I went to I look for my bag. I had to go through Homeland Security. I uh, remember earlier I had um, I had a bag with me full of documents, SAT scores, I twenty forms, everything uh, for an interview. I'd imagine I'd have. Uh, so I got to the desk. They asked for my passport, and then I reached into the, into the bag, and then I put out a stack of papers. And then the officer was like, "What? What is? Uh, what is that?" <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know. You might, maybe you might need them later on. Uh, he's like, no, don't worry about it. Just give me your I twenty form, and um, yeah, that, that's all he needed. Um, and then afterwards, I I scanned my ten 
fingerprints or 10 fingers and then i did my toes as well no i'm kidding <laughs> i didn't do it toes. i only did my 10 uh, um fingerprints and then that was it and, and then he was like you know you're good to go and then when i reached the other side i remember just feeling underwhelmed i was like wait that was it um but actually i'm really grateful that it was that smooth i can't imagine having a back and forth when you don't really know um you're in you know you know a strange place you don't know how to approach different things um so i'm really grateful that it went that way um i make joke about it uh, but i know some people um my face challenges or have face challenges uh, going through a similar process not because they have anything wrong with them or they're carrying anything wrong it's just sometimes um, people face really unfortunate events and I was lucky in that process and to be able to have a really smooth process starting from the time I got on a flight in Malawi really everything was just uh, really smooth and meeting all different of kind people along the way and and this is at my um this is my intro into the us which is really i think important because i think if i'd had any traumatic event at that point it would have really affected the 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 rest of my journey to my school and who knows maybe even later on um so i think it really set a good um pretext to everything else that was gonna happen after that so i uh, just wanted to say that and then, you know, um, I went ahead uh, to get the bag. Syracuse was easy to navigate. I found it easy to get to, uh, to baggage claim. And I got there. And then that's when I met one of my first friends in college, Mariam Jallo from Senegal. Um, and then there were other three international students uh, who I think were sophomores or juniors uh, who came to pick us up. So I think it was like maybe five students in that shadow. And, you know, we drove for about two hours across like farms, cows. <laughs> and let me say I was just uh, expecting to see skyscrapers, but for two hours I could not see anything. So the thing is, in my head, when I knew I was coming to New York City, part of my excitement, I thought I would see the city I'd seen in movies, you know, skyscrapers. Uh, yellow taxis. So in my head, I was like, yeah, we'll get to the airport straight up into a yellow cab and then boom, we're going to school. Um, so it's it's a different picture um, if you have taken that route before from Syracuse to Canton. <laughs> uh, it's the countryside of upstate New York. So yeah, it's, it's uh, you, I think you can picture it from there how different it would be from uh, Manhattan. Um, then we got to school uh they welcomed us uh the international students coordinator Tewang, and then she was surprised uh because i showed up in my carry-on she was expecting me to have you know some luggage of some sort since um i wasn't going to be able to go home at least uh after a year or so um so yeah i showed up as if i was going there for a weekend and i went back to my room showered we did a couple of uh, demonstrative stuff on the first day uh, to set myself up for two orientations that were coming up. There was one with uh, all the international students and then um, the American students were arriving um, a couple of days later after that. And then after that, we'll do another orientation with everyone. 
So the first orientation was so much easier. I think what made it easier was all of us were coming from uh, different places. And one thing that was common among us was we had left homes that were really far, although we had all different cultural backgrounds, but it was so much easier to come in, coming in together. Uh, the second orientation was, uh, was tough. Part of it was cultural shock. You're trying to understand the American culture. I mean, I knew the concept, but as I said like before, it's until you're thrown into the water. And uh, and I would imagine maybe it might have been equally difficult for uh, the American students to sort of um, do the reverse, right? Because they're also trying to understand you in a, in a, in a sense. Um, uh, but I can't speak much to that because I would I'd, I would need to to sit down with uh, with maybe one of my friends then and ask them how they felt about um, uh, maybe our first interaction, for instance. But anyways, I did find that hard because um, of the cultural shock, as I said, and just understanding the broad uh, social dynamics that exist in the American culture. Um, so you're trying to uh, understand them, they're trying to understand you, and then there's just a lot of barriers that uh, that are necessary for you to build a, some sort of a, a friendship, for instance. But eventually, like, you know, things start to get easier. At least were getting easier for me. Um, I would be interested to hear about uh, uh, how other people uh, uh, in my shoes who uh, experienced a similar thing and would want to hear their experiences as well. And we might get some of them um, uh, here and then and, and, and have a conversation around that. So we'll continue that part of the story uh, when we get uh, a guest because I'm, I'm really curious to see what other people uh, went through as well. And uh, so when the American students arrived, I met my roommate for the first time. So he came with his parents. Uh, just remember, I think he had already moved into the room. Um, so I walked in there, uh, he came with his dog, this cute dog. Uh, but honestly, when I walked in, I didn't think it was real. I thought it was fake. Uh, it was all fluffy. So it looked like one of those from calendar pictures. Um, and then it moved. Oh my God. I got so scared. I was like, damn, <laughs> this thing is alive. <laughs> I, but it was a friendly dog. So he didn't freak out after seeing me freak out. Um, and then he came, I said, hi. And then that's when, right now, uh, uh, when he walked in. Um, and then I think later that night, I'd met his family, introduced myself. Um, later that night, I was like, oh yeah, I have a roommate. So the way, the way things work home, um, it's like, I, well, I learned this from my brother and his roommate, uh, in, at Zuzu University in Malawi. It's like your roommate is almost like your brother in a sense, but I think that's a case when, you pick a person <laughs> you want to live with. And my roommate was nice. That's not to say he was not nice. Oh, I didn't consider him in that in that space. And again, this is like all of us are trying to explore our our connection to each other. Um, so I was supposed to make a phone call home uh, to tell them about my trip and everything. Um, they needed to know that I was uh, what else. I, I, I made it safe. Um, but remember, I didn't have a phone since <laughs> I'd given that away. Um, but I had my SIM card, um, even though that would not work since roaming uh, with the uh, telecommunications company that I had uh, in Malawi. I don't think it would roam in upstate New York. <laughs> There's no way. Um, 
So I was going to ask him to borrow his phone to call home, not to call home, but just get his number, have someone else from home call. Um, so the arrangement I'd made with one of the uh, friends that made while I was applying to colleges, um, Emma, Emma went to Rochester University and there was a group of students from Rochester University who came to Malawi. Um, and I was part of a group called um, USAP, United States Achievers Program. They basically uh, rec recruit um, uh, secondary school students or high school students after the national exams uh, and help them apply to universities in the U.S. That's how I, I did the whole process to apply to schools uh, in the U.S. So Emma was helping me with S's and uh, we were still in touch at uh, that time as I was traveling. And then she was like, you know, constantly checking on me. Uh, to find out uh, how everything was going. So she was one person I was updating everything. Uh, the only thing she didn't have any connection to my family, as in uh, there was no communication channel for her to let them know that I had arrived safe. And um, yeah, so she was like, you know, um, talk to your roommate. Uh, if, if, if they can give you uh, their number, uh, I can connect a Skype call and then you give me your parents' number. So like it'll be like a group call, right? Um, so it should be like the intermediate uh, in, in, in that process. So I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. I didn't have uh, Skype or anything at that time. So we we're going to use her Skype. Um, and then I went to talk to my roommate. I was like, God, ah, do you mind if I could borrow your, your phone to make a call home? Cause I had already made the arrangement with Emma. So all I needed was that now one number. And then my roommate, uh, he was hesitant. He's like, what do you mean? Um, it's like, I don't have a phone. I just need to tell my parents that um, I'm here. Um, and then it was like, ah, I don't I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> he didn't say that, but it was something along those lines. Um, it's like, ah, it, it's going to charge me if, if I do that. And then I was just like, no, no it's, it's fine. It's fine. Um, and that in my head at that point, I was just like, man, like, you know, it's just the phone, like no one else, uh, like, how do you lose money from that? You are receiving the phone call. So the way it works in Malawi is when someone else is calling you, it doesn't charge you. It charges the person making the call. So, uh, and I learned that the way it's done here, if I call someone, I get charged, they get charged as well during that transaction. Um, so that's the reason why he said no. Because it's, first of all, it's an international call. And I know I'm not going to just say, oh, yeah, I'm here. It's going to be a long conversation. You know, I have to update, you know, with the <laughs> everything else that had happened, you know. Um, so it's going to be a long call. First, so I think it scared him off that I was going to do an international uh, call. So it was like, ah, no, but I don't think I have enough money for me to to make that type of a call. So I, to me, I just I took it as a rejection. And I think I remember just being salty about it. Uh, I didn't show that, though, since his first day is trying to build a relationship with the roommate. Um, and then I remember talking to uh, Sharon Mazimba, who uh, was a also a student at St. Lawrence. Uh, she's from Zambia. I was like, I was talking to my roommate. I was trying to make a phone call home, but he's saying that he doesn't have enough money. I don't understand. <laughs> and she started laughing. Um, and then she explained to me how it works. I was like, oh, wow. All this time, I thought he was just being a, a mean person. But anyways, I was I was able to make an arrangement to make a phone call home after a couple of days. And I told my family I had a safe um, flight home and I updated them on everything. 
uh, they were excited that had made it um, um, that made it to to school. Um, and one thing I remember, my mom asked me, "Is oh, what time is it there?" Um, so you know, with uh, I think it's like a six seven hour difference, I think, with the on the east coast. Um, so I mentioned a different time. So it's like one of those situations. It's night or day on one side, right? Um, I remember just being so surprised. Like, wow, like, you know, you're existing sort of in almost uh, insinuating that I was in a different time dimension. So each time I called her, she would point that out. And she was just surprised how we could be in different time zones and uh, just connect as if we're in the same time zone. I don't know. I just found that like really interesting, and she would point that out each time I made a call to her, which was cute in a sense. Um, but anyways, I told them that I had arrived safe and I was in school. The 19-hour flight marked the uh, beginning of a really amazing experience that, quite honestly, I didn't uh, imagine happening at all. I'm grateful for everything that unfolded after I checked in my (laughs) carry-on bag and for the strangers that I met on the way that showed me kindness as I embarked on this trip into the unknown I say thank you. Until next time, be safe and be kind to the person next to you. I'm Felix Gondry, and this is the Afro Nomad Show. <laughs> <laughs>